This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Two. Sportsnet today on this Tuesday afternoon from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room. Busy hour one. The final four are decided for the Stanley Cup playoffs. The West and East Finals set to go with Carolina and Florida, Dallas, and Vegas, which means we did a review of our round two picks. Stunning no one, Taylor continues to dominate the Sportsnet Today playoff predictions. Can she maintain her lead through round three into the Stanley Cup final? We will see. If you want to go back and hear our picks, you can do that now in one. We also had to check in with our pal Brian Ray from uh, Bally Sports. Checking all things Dallas Stars after their Game 7 win against the Seattle Kraken. And a look ahead to what's next for them as they take on the get set to take on the Vegas Golden Knights in round number three. Head coach Pete DeBoer fired as the coach of Vegas now with a chance to eliminate his former team. Now with Dallas in the Western Conference Finals. So lots to look forward to. And uh, lots to go back to an hour one. You can do that wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. The podcasts go up uh, moments after every hour is finished. We're going to kick off uh, hour two. Uh, hearing from one of our favorites here on the station. It is Peter Labardius, uh, who's been joining the morning show with Russick and Rose uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, dive into... Flames GM news with Peter Labardius today as uh, over the last 24, 48 hours or so, we've started to hear more about what's what names still remain on the Calgary Flames GM hunt as uh, Elliot Friedman has called it, you know, the team entering phase two of their GM search. Pierre Lebrun of the Athletic expecting it to get more intense for the Calgary Flames in the weeks to come, so... Sounds as though we're we're closer to a decision than maybe we've ever been for the Calgary Flames. And as we've talked about previously, this is a massive, you know, potential franchise changing decision for the Calgary Flames, who their next GM is going to be. Uh, it's why we've talked about it so much. And it's why we'll continue to talk about it as we get closer to that. And that's exactly where the guy started with Lou earlier this morning. Lou, of course, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he joined Russick and Rose on the big show a little earlier today with some Flames chat. Should this organization maybe remove the emotion out of it and maybe kind of listen to what Don Maloney said in that Brad Tree Living news conference that maybe a fresh set of eyes ultimately, Lou, would be the best for the Calgary Flames and hiring outside of the team? George, I look at every situation this way. I think you make decisions not only based on 
who you believe is best, but who is the right fit in terms of knowing personnel, where you might be moving in terms of scouting, who is going to fit very well with your players, how you think about it. So uh, I'm generally a best person for the job, but that isn't always because of, you know, someone's resume or what they've done before. We have a tendency, I think, not just in hockey, but sometimes in all kinds of businesses to have some great potential leaders right under our noses. But then there's a want and need. This one's odd. I'll put it to you this way. Hmm. I think a lot of decisions are based these days on, at times, public reaction and public sell. I think I think it can be very difficult um, because they're your fans. They pay the bills. They deserve some kind of a say. But I think you really have to think long and hard about who is the best person. And I've said this a lot. Who aligns really well? who aligns with Don, who your next coach is going to be. I think you have to really think about it all the way through in terms of getting to where you want to go. But, you know, in in terms of Craig, Craig's put in the work. Um, Craig is an unbelievable human to begin with. I think we all know that. But Craig has this infectious way about him, but yet at the same time cares so much that I think has the ability to make hard decisions too. Hmm. So we'll see how it goes. Listen, there are so many great people who would want this job, who would be in search of this job. I don't envy Don, you know, an ownership because these are really hard decisions to make. So we'll see we'll see where it goes. As we continue to kind of wait for this decision, you know, they're they're not the only team that's looking as well, so I think that's kind of relevant. Has there as much as um I think that there's a lot of people who would love to see Craig get this job. Are there any of the other names that we've seen floating whether it's uh, Hunter or Bergevin or, you know, Sean Burke was mentioned on the radio show uh Merrick's radio show yesterday. Any other names that have kind of piqued your interest, either in, you know, general manager role or just kind of a what could they bring to the organization type of look at? I, I think there's I think there's lots of people. I think there's lots of people out there, Maddie, that uh you know, there's there's a couple of guys in, in Carolina that get a lot of airtime. I, I think it really depends on what you want and what you value. Mm -hmm. So if you really feel like you need somebody with experience, you go that way. If, if you really want to think a little bit outside the box, maybe there's an opportunity for obviously someone like Craig or someone who hasn't been in that chair. 
there, there isn't really like I have lots of guys because I've been around the game my whole life. Um, that, that I would love to see get an opportunity, a perfect example for me. And I don't think anybody outside of me has brought him up, but it would be Ross Mahoney. Who's been a long time head scout and assistant general manager in Washington. I have pretty good Intel that he would be very interested in becoming a general manager. He's from Regina. He's a Western Canadian. I think you take a look at the track record for a long, long time in in Washington about how they've scouted and the kinds of players that they've continued to add to their coffers. But listen, there, there are a lot, a lot of things to be considered where this is concerned when you uh, again i'm so i'm so immature and stupid lou that when you said mahoney right away i think of steven gutenberg's character in police academy mahoney that's right away i think of and i'm like i'm such an idiot that only uh obviously none of the guys outside of me would know what i'm talking you and me would know what i'm talking about but that's the dumbest thing uh that pops into my mind immediately when i hear that name um just from uh just from an entertainment perspective how fun would Mark Bergevin be, though, as the GM of the Flames? Very. And <laughs> I don't know Mark overly well. Spent a little time around him. Um, you know, he certainly had lots of time to, you know, think about the Montreal situation, go through it. The great thing about Mark is you're not going to throw pressure at him that he's never had before. So that is not going to be an issue. Needless to say, what you deal with in Montreal, which is to me, unlike anything anywhere in hockey with the two languages and the people of Quebec's unbelievable passion for that group, which to me, again, second to none, but, you talk to anybody who spent time with him, he might be one of the funniest humans on planet Earth. So, but this one isn't about, you know, the Howie Mandel contest. Nice. This, again, is about taking a veteran team. How do you reach people? What's, you know, even even a bigger choice, guys, in some ways for me, when I think about the team itself, is who the GM aligns with as the new head coach. Especially when you kind of look at some of the other partnerships we've seen. Like, I think that there's a real question about Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and if that relationship is going to move forward. Like, is it one of those things where because the, there are certain relationships, if a certain GM gets the job, then maybe certain head coach would be get, get the inside track, if you will? Is that kind of what you're thinking about? Maddie, that's part of it. Mm. I think the other part is look at the makeup currently of your team. Mm -hmm. So that's going to change, but you still have a very veteran team for the next few years. Mm -hmm. You can't completely throw everything away. Like it didn't go well. But I think it's really, really important that, you know, the alignment and the person that you choose in both fronts is going to do well with a real veteran group and understand their needs and 
frankly, this is more about people at this point for me than mm-hmm. it is about hockey. I think you've got a pretty good group there. But I, as a group, they didn't play very well. This is one of my biggest things with coaches nowadays, too. Like, I wonder how much of the job has almost shifted from X and O's just given all of the kind of year-long hockey camps and all these types of things the younger players have nowadays. They know the X's and O's. I wonder how much of it is just down to managing personalities as a head coach in the NHL and if there's been a shift over the last decade or so from, you know, having to just be the guy that, you know, organizes the game plan versus organizes the personalities in the room. George, can I ask you a question in relation to that question? Sure. How old are you? Uh, I am 44. Going on 18 right. maturity-wise. But anyway, continue. Yeah, well, I'm 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 seven, so <laughs> I, I'm one up on you, Maddie. Where are you now? Just turned thirty. Yes. So I think what I've learned about any kind of leadership of younger people, and I have yet to talk to somebody in hockey. Yes, Matt, your ability to communicate. And your ability to answer this question, why? Hmm. The younger generation, in so many ways, is equipped differently. They're trained differently. Um, the, the process to get here, in, in a lot of cases, they come from very affluent places. It's completely different. Completely different. So, yes. There aren't many coaches, guys, that aren't pretty great at this point in their staffs and your resources and your analytics to have a pretty good feel for X's and O's and systems and all of it. It's about reaching people, and it's about tying people together and getting the most out of your best people and identifying who they are to allow and empower them so they can really take over in their own way. I'm a, I'm a massive believer in that in any situation. Flames radio analyst for sports at 960. Peter Labardi is joining us here on the big show. Russick and Rose 960, the fan um, Lou, we just talked to Nick Kiprios and he potentially said that maybe Mitch Marner is available on the trade market. Maybe that's the guy that the Leafs want to shake up their core with and maybe move him out. If I'm the Calgary Flames, do I try to move or do whatever it takes necessary to bring that guy to this city? Yes. 100%. Has it been perfect? No. Do I think Mitch would benefit even more in the most difficult of times, i.e. the playoffs, from being out of his hometown and all that goes hand in hand with being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yes. I still think he's one of the best players in the world. I really do. And I think, and I saw it on his way up to the NHL. There is absolutely no doubt about this. And George, you know, you're from Ontario. I spent a good chunk of my, not a good chunk, but a decent chunk The pressure there on the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they deal with, 
Mm-hmm. Go back and watch Kyle Dubas's news conference. Yeah. Just go back and watch it. And tell me what kind of toll you think that's taken. It was jarring watching it. Yes, it was jarring. He looked exhausted. And that's what it is now, guys. Mm. There's so much noise and pressure coming from so many different places that it just absolutely crushes people, crushes people, players, GMs. You know, I always make, and and here's the silly thing, right? It's dumb and dumber. The the snowball fight always kind of comes to mind because I love it so much. Um, But in many ways, I think in our world, we used to have, you know, one-on-one snowball fights. Now in our world, like you don't have a big enough shield because you got, you got snowballs coming at you from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot. Is there such a thing as an untouchable on the Flames current roster or prospect in your opinion? Great question. No. No. Not even a Coronado, Peltier, none of those guys. Draft pick, an Anderson, none of those guys are untouchable to you. George, I think it's how you define untouchable. There are lots of players that I would never want to part with. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd have to be really, really careful. But is there a player on this team that is absolutely so good that I wouldn't at least be willing to have a conversation? Hmm. At this point... Probably not. But are, but are there guys that I would absolutely 100% do everything in my power to keep? Yes. It's, Elias Lindholm would be hmm. right near the top of the list for me. But, you know, a good buddy of mine says this a lot. These are conversations, George, that I like to have. But I don't know if this is the right time to assess any of it. I really don't. And not where players are concerned. Because it was such a turbulent, frustrating, so many guys, you know, did not perform the way. So when that happens, not to just one or two, but, you know, there's probably 10 or 11. I don't know if I can answer that properly. Because the emotional side goes, everybody's free. It's still a good team for me. It still is. It needs, it needs a belief. It needs a different feel. And it's going to get one. And then we'll see. Coming off a conversation where we were talking about Mitch Marner being traded, like I wonder, and I'd be interested for your answer here too, George, how many untouchable players you see in the league overall? Because I just think that as time has gone on, with how much the salary cap has impacted things and needing to make trades to be competitive at all times, I just wonder 
is that number five, ten, twenty? Yeah, like of it, untouchable players in the entire league. You, you tell me one right away. Obviously, ninety-seven is one in Edmonton. Four but, in Colorado. Yeah, McCarr to me is absolutely untouchable. You cannot trade that guy. There's some other guys there, but the list is short. I think would be my point here. Right, guys. Don't you think? Don't you think this is probably the better conversation when you go down that road? Mm. Hmm. Let's let's take Toronto. And to a lesser extent, the guys up the highway. Do you have enough ability to round out your team in order to win when you invest so much in four or five players. So Toronto is the perfect example. There's, there's a lot of talk about Matthews, Marner, you know, they're top forwards. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't think people are talking about enough. Mm. Their defense. Right. To me, one legitimate Top four guy on that defense. One. Mm-hmm. Morgan Riley. Yep. Why did Vegas just beat Edmonton, guys? Blue what line area yeah. of the sport yep. was Vegas better at? Checking. Checking. And a group of six on defense that's experienced, mm-hmm. that has size, that can move pucks, and forwards who are speedy and can check. We fall in love with the stars. We don't always think about it is what is required to win as a team. Mm. And teams still win. Is it as simple as saying that the Leafs and Oilers uh, salary cap situation, they're paying their players like they want a Stanley Cup without winning the Cup? In some ways, but again, what do you do in these situations? Right. And, and, and is is this a larger question, George, in regards to, does the cap situation need a tweak? Mm -hmm. Do you need one player or the ability to have one player? Who's potentially exempt? Yep. Mm-hmm. We had this but conversation a few months ago. The only way I'm okay ago. with that is yep. draft pick. That player has to be your own and come originally from your system. Mm-hmm. That is Phil Bardius, color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Chatting with Russick and Rose on the big show. Lots of Flames chatter there. You can hear that whole conversation wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Lots of GM news there. Still waiting on a decision there from the Calgary Flames. Head coach will obviously fall under the new GM's decision-making process. And the waiting game continues for the Calgary Flames, of course, as soon as anything breaks or comes up in that category. You know where to tune into. We'll have it all for you right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Time to take a break, come back on the other side, chatting with the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Kurt Miloski, ahead of a big game three for the Calgary Roughnecks coming up on Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. He's our guest next here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.
You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your Calgary Roughnecks picked up a massive 13-12 win over the Colorado Mammoth on Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome, setting up a Game 3 finale once again Saturday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome as this best of three will be decided Winner to take on the Buffalo Bandits in the finale. One massive game to go for your Calgary Roughnecks and a chance to uh, get out and make some noise at the Rough House. It was certainly a big factor on Saturday's game in that 13-12 win and uh, will be another big factor for the team coming up Saturday. 7.30 puck, uh, face-off, I should say. Uh, Calgary and Colorado tickets available at calgaryroughnecks.com. And, uh, lots to get into through the first two games of this series, and very happy uh, to be joined this afternoon down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline by the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. He is Kurt Miloski. Kurt, thanks for doing this today. As always, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, congratulations on the big win for your team on Saturday, and I should say a, a bit of a personal congratulations to yourself as well. A finalist for the Les Bartley Award as head coach of the year. I know individual accolades at this time of year probably secondary, but always cool to to hear yourself in the name of a finalist and for an award like that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it's a, it's generally, yeah, obviously it's a huge team effort uh, on all of it, you know, with the players, the coaches, the organization, all that stuff goes into something like that. So, you know, fortunate enough to be able to represent all the hard work that we've all put in on it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of neat, but uh, like you said, it's not really the focus, but it's nice. Uh, obviously Colorado coming up on Saturday for game three of this massive series, two close games in the books already Thursday and Saturday. I guess that shouldn't be much of a surprise knowing how closely these two teams are matched up. Hey, Kurt. Yeah, we play each other tough. You know, uh, the first one Friday was, uh, you know, you don't like the penalties that we got and a little bit of penalty trouble on our sub got a little undisciplined at times there in the fourth quarter. It kind of cost us that one. And then, uh, you know, I bet the next game was big, big, you know, we were able to hold on to leads and, you know, there's, there was a lot of talk about, oh, yeah, they came back, they came back. But, you know, that's just the way that they're resilient. We're resilient and that's just the way the series has been back and forth throughout. You know, it's going to be a one little game probably Saturday night and it's going to be uh, coming right down to the wire, I'm sure. Seems like speed was a big factor in game two for both teams, whether it was trying to get the defense off balance or trying to find some of that success offensively. Is your team comfortable playing at that kind of speed? Is that going to make them more successful as you know, this game goes into a must win on Saturday. Yeah, we like to play fast. You know, back in the day when we had some of our, you know, our, our pure, pure offensive guys, we slowed it down and we methodically attacked teams. But now, you know, we're young and we can run and we got a very good group of athletes that can get up and down the floor. They're big, they're strong. And, you know, like I said, their biggest asset, like you mentioned, the biggest asset for them is their speed and, you know, tie in their intelligence and their compete level, you know, that we changed our style quite a bit this year. And, it, you know, it's, it's been suiting us for aggressive on D and we like to spin the ball on offense. And then, you know, our transition game with Christian and that is, is huge. Is that speed so key against a team like Colorado that can have that sort of stifling defense? They'd like to keep you to the outside, but it seemed like that speed really helped you guys find some openings when it led to more offense on Saturday. Yeah, I, you know, obviously moving the ball, you know, you get you get try to put the defense in spots that, that, that they struggle with and you try to find your matchups. You try to you try to, you know, be able to, you know, especially with a goaltender like Dylan Ward, you gotta be able to spin the ball quick and you know, go from side to side east to west, north to south and change the planes of it because he's so good. So, you know, just for us we've been playing fast all year long, so it's not a lot different, but uh you know, they're they're a good team. They're going to adjust. It's going to be a real tough game. But, you know, to, to answer the question, you know, I think us playing quick is, is a benefit to us. 
Uh, Kurt, one thing I, I've noticed talking to a couple of your players the last couple of weeks as playoffs have gotten on, whether it was uh, Cookie or Christian Del Bianco or your captain, Jesse King, uh, all three of them like to talk about how close-knit this group is and how, yes, winning a championship is great, and that's obviously a main focus, but part of it for them is wanting to spend more time together. Could you sort of speak to how close this group is in your mind and from your perspective as the coach? Yeah, you know, just being around the guys, you can just generally, you know, you just you get you get a good vibe of, of how how much it matters to them and how hard they compete for each other and, and just the respect in the room and you know, there's not there's not pods of guys going out all over the place. I come down for breakfast in the morning and you know, the restaurant's full of guys down there and they're always sitting together having a good time and you know, that was kinda of been a kind of our motto for for a while here is just you know, just want an opportunity to play again next week and to see each other next week and you know, that's kinda of what the guys are doing, you know, and I and I always say as a coach, you know, if you really believe in something, something really matters to you, you know, you'll fight for it. And, you know, you can't you can't fake that, Jen. You know, just being genuine to each other, you just can't fake that. And this is something special. These guys got a good bond, and you know the leadership does a great job. And you know we got some good young character guys that really fill the dressing room. So it's been exciting to be around for sure. How much of that comes from your captain and Jesse King, and the fact that this is his first year wearing that C on his jersey? I think a lot of it comes from Jesse. I think you know he he's very very passionate guy. He works extremely hard on and off the floor, and you know he's he. He's not a. He, he says the right things at the right time, but he his play dictates a lot. And you know, I, I think, you know, you, you get another leader like Curtis Manning that's been with us forever, and it just mentors that leadership group as well. And you know, Jesse Jesse, you know, followed some really good captains in the day in Calgary. And you know, we always say we've kind of paid for it. You got to watch. You got to learn. You got to take in all this stuff. And then obviously, you, you form your own leadership style. But I think Jesse just really exemplifies what a true roughneck is. And I think. You know, there's there's a leader that can stand up and say a bunch of things, and, and, and you know, a lot of hot air sometimes comes out. But you know, he, he, you can't. I always say you just can't fake that passion. You just, you know, you look into a man's eyes, and you know, there's belief there, or there's not. And, and Jesse really has a way about the dressing room. And again, like I said, you know, with Salama and Christian's a huge leader in the dressing room. Zach here, I could list can go on and on. But we have a, just a really good core group of leaders that really just facilitate and, and you know, kind of help each other along. You mentioned Zach Courier. Talk to me about the the game that he had specifically Saturday, maybe even the season that he's had. Uh, I don't know how he does it. The pace that he plays at, Kurt, when you watch him out there, he is relentless. That obviously helps you get 17 loose balls in a game. But the fact that he's so smart about how he goes about his business, he, like I said, relentless is the word that I would use for it. What would you use to describe Zach Courier's game? I'd just say I'd resilient would be the the word and you know it's just the resiliency just it, no matter what the situation is he's always going and then you tie that into with this with this compete level he just never quits on anything you know it, it looks like to your point like the ball the ball's going to go the other way and he's there and he gets it you know he's coming down on a breakaway and it just looks like he might not get it and he ends up getting it just just the ability to stay with plays over and over again and you know he's got that he's got that ineptability to to understand where the ball is going before it gets there. He's just a certain guy. Jimmy Veldman was very, very similar back in the day where he would just, you know, not to where the ball is, where it's going, he gets there. And, uh, you know, Zach's the same way. But I think, you know, with all the great stuff that he does and outstanding transition, he can shoot the ball. He can play offense, honestly, in the NLL. And, <laughs> you know, just getting up and down the floor in his defense. Like when he first got here, you know, he checked a lot of air. And, uh, you know, not, not so much anymore. He's been really, really good. He's got some big assignments for us. 
in the back end. So that party's evolved a, a lot, and, and you know, just that sure desire to win that compete level. And that's like he, our team is judged by that, like pretty much like when Zach's going, we're going. And, and if you're on the bench and your elbows on the dash, and you're looking at a guy competing that hard, he comes off like just absolutely exhausted. Like he's got <laughs> nothing left. You talk about give everything a got for you know a shift. Yeah, young kids can watch how much he puts into just a shift. Like even early in the first quarter, it's just that you just can't help but you know you want to make sure that you're doing it just as much as him. If if you know if not, you want to really really push it. So you know I just think he brings that compete level of our team right up. Yeah, he's incredible to watch, and I know that uh, he's a guy that, that Jesse's brought up a couple times, Christian mentioned too, for the transition game. It's always a big part, but when you have a guy like that, his it's uh, to me it's always looking at a guy, Kurt, and seeing how smart he is with it. I imagine Zach's got to be one of those guys that just thinks the game at a different level because he just seems to understand every situation so well. Well, he's an engineer from Princeton, so that's a good start right out of the gate. So, you know, he's book smart. So, yeah. But uh, serious, on a serious note, he, you know, he grew up in a hotbed in Peterborough, Ontario. And, you know, that's they, they got a lot of lacrosse IQ out there. And, and, you know, he's, you know, tied it in with his intelligence. And he's a student of the game. He's always watching film. He's always watching the play. Like, he's always he's always looking to get better. And, you know, you just, you know, he's got, he has that, you know, he does have that God-given lacrosse IQ, but he works at it. He's stuck. That you know he doesn't take it for granted, and, and you know I think I always say like honest effort, honest result. He puts the work in. And it, it's not by chance that, that that he is as good as what he is. He he, he you know he works extremely hard at his craft. Uh, Christian Del Bianco, uh, a guy that's been talked about by a lot of people around the league, is a guy that could be an MVP. He's obviously a finalist for that, a finalist for goaltender of the year. Um, I think sometimes we forget here in Calgary just how young Christian is and uh, to be doing what he's doing at his age through just a couple of years in the NLL is pretty remarkable. I imagine for a coach, it's it's nice to have sort of that safety blanket there and Christian knowing that if there's a big opportunity, he's going to be there to step up and what he does in the transition game. So important to what you guys do, Kurt. Well, I, I, I'd be sitting here, I could t- tell you – you know, done a bunch of different things, and you're probably like, yeah, 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 sure. But we're not, we're not where we are today without Christian. Let's be completely honest. He's the best player in the most important position. He really is, and 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 he's just been outstanding this year for us. Like he was, he's been good in the past. He was good the year he won the championship. But this year, like, there's games where he's just carried us. You know, and I, and I, and the best part about that is, is like when we know that we have it. You talk about the safety blanket, but it. it, it it translates to our offense and it translates to our team demeanor. Like we don't panic because we know we have Christian, you know, he's going to, he's going to bail you out and, you know, he's going to be there when you need him. And, and, you know, and our defense around him, they want to work extremely hard for him and get in the lanes. And, you know, it's just that they got a really, really good dynamic there. But, you know, in my mind, there's no question. Like you, you look at the players that we lost and then you look at the position that we're in and it's directly, you know, in pers- my personal plan is directly related to, to Christian. I'm taking nothing away from the guys in the team mm-hmm. because the guys in the team that played exceptionally well as well. But again, like I said, you, you got a guy that can control the game in the net. And, uh, you know, John, a wise man, John Bean told me quarterbacks and goaltenders, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's something that uh, is stuck with me for a long time. And uh, Christian has been a huge part of it. And one thing that he, like he was been good last year, but he really, really trained. Like he's been running 10K and he's he works construction like eight, nine, ten hours a day, and he still finds time to train. He still finds time to watch the video. So, again, I I can say you know it's professional sports, but he works he works extremely hard at what he does away from the game, and he gets rewarded by the season that he's had this year, and, and we're the benefactors of it. So 
we're going to keep enjoying the ride. Uh, Kurt Miloski is along with us, the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. They're in action Saturday for game three of their series against the Colorado Mammoth. How do you look at this time off, Kurt? It's always interesting here in the NLL with a, a break in between like this. Would you have rather found a, a quicker way to get this series done, or are you okay with some time in between team games two and three? No, well, normally you play once a week, and then last week we got, uh, you know, with, with scheduling and arena availability, we got put on the road last Thursday, and then a quick quick turnaround to fly out Friday and get home here for Saturday. So that was something that really you, you don't play maybe once a year that you get those 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 back to backers mm. or you know play one one off play one. So you know the ability to have the week off here, I think I think is good for our guys. Like that's pretty grueling, and I think Colorado would be the same. You know, there's guys at this time of year that are nicked up and need a bit of a break, and you know there's a it's it's time for us to prepare too guys to get their bodies right and guys to train and for coaches to make sure you know there's going to be adjustments come Saturday so we got to make sure we're we're sharp and we're not resting our laurels and all that was good enough because they're going to be adjusting to what we did and we're going to have to try to get be prepared to get ahead of them so you know looking forward from film is is important for us coaches so I think overall I think it's it's good for both teams I think it's good for the national lacrosse team you don't want National lacrosse you don't want teams limping into game three that are just so banged up that the product drops I think with that full week off you know, there's no excuses. It'll be everybody will be given have 100 percent given everything they got. I think it'll just be a whale of a game. Well, and easy to be banged up when you play as physical as that game was on Saturday, Kurt. There was no extra room for any side. If there was a, a ball on the floor, if you were near the boards, you know someone from the opposing team was going to be on top of you. Uh, I know Jesse's talked to me about that that physicality being something that you guys like to play with. Uh, how do you think your team responds when a team like Colorado is as physical? back to you guys as maybe you are when you hand it out to teams. Yeah, you know, their head coach, Pat Coyle, was a very, you know, I played with him. He was a very aggressive player. They they live off, they're very similar to us. They live off the cross check. They're very physical. They try to keep, you know, keep you out to the outside. They don't let you to the middle. And when you do go there, you're going to pay the price. But, you know, I, I think, I think it's just it's just that's been our mindset is we want to play heavy we want to make sure that we're clean we're down on the elbows we're not taking penalties we're still really disciplined and and I think that was really evident on the weekend that we didn't things didn't change when they went on runs our mindset didn't change and I said after the game that that's something that's really really difficult so you're not going to intimidate our team you're not going to scare us you're not going to deter us you know like I said before you got something that you believe in you got a group of guys really believe in battling for each other you know a slash in the wrist a cross check in the teeth isn't going to stop you from getting to the middle of the floor because you know at the end goal, you know, the success is your team is moving on and you're seeing the guy next year that you care so much about. So um, I, the physicality is going to be what it is. If you watch the Buffalo-Toronto game, same thing this time of year. The, you know, maybe the referees put the whistles away a little bit more than what they would in the regular season. It's it's playoff lacrosse. It's big boy lacrosse. And, you know, we're, we, we built a team that's ready for it. Uh, I'm not trying to get you in any trouble here, but you mentioned the refereeing there, and I have to ask you because a moment that – that struck me Saturday in the stands watching the game was Zach Courier early on scores a goal, I think 40 seconds in or so, but he gets a, a goaltender interference call on the same play where he scores. Now they take a penalty, dead ball fell. Uh, McIntosh doesn't like the, the goaltender interference. What did you hear from the refs on an explanation for that play? Because it's pretty rare to see a goal scorer score like that. He makes incidental contact, it looks like, just based on how he went through the crease. Um, but you guys wound up in a in a five on five situation after the both guys taking uh, two minute penalty. Did you get an explanation from the refs on what their call was there? Yeah, the, 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 well, I knew the rule. Like I didn't need an explanation to be honest with you. Like it yeah. seemed like they didn't know what was going on, but we did. Yeah. Like the ball entered the, the net before the infraction happened. So ball goes in, that gets pushed, goalie interference. So the, the first thing, goal. Then it's a penalty. Then then ninety cross checks him on the in the head on the ground. Then face masks him to the wall. 
and then actually punches him in the chin, yeah. and we get come up even. But so I don't know. I was I was more questioning like, is the dead ball foul with a cross check on the crease one? And how about the five minute face mask? Yeah. And how about the punch in the face? So I was thinking we were coming out of it ahead. So when we were like when it was split, I was even. I was five on five. I'm like I already knew the goal. Like they can argue about the goal. They just didn't know what the rule was. Yeah. So that didn't matter to me. But the, the infraction part of it, I thought we should have been on the power play personally. But. uh you know what? It is. It's playoffs. They're going to turn a blind eye to it. We're not going to. We're not going to complain about things we can't control. Uh, looking ahead to, to Saturday's match, I know you're still a couple of days out here, Kurt. But what are some of the aspects from Game Two that you'd like to see your team bring into this uh, deciding game on Saturday? Well, I, I think I think composure is going to be big. I, I really do. I think I think we lost the composure a little bit in Game One. I think we're better in Game Two. Um, and just, just we, we play in those five minute segments and just staying in the fight. That's kind of our motto is stay in the fight, stay in the fight and just keep competing right to the end. So I think, I think just taking care of the ball, there's a couple times when I thought that we, we, we panicked and we turned the ball over a little bit and gave up possession. I think, you know, if our faceoff guy, you know, Willie was really good in the draw, and, you know, he's 16 for 29. So that's a good percentage. So, you know, if we're going to get that percentage, we want to retain the wall. So, um, I think possession is going to be a big part. I think getting up and down the floor is going to be a big part. Um, I just think when and where we shoot the ball from, because obviously they have a very good transition game too. And then just, just the ability to, you know, game one, I thought we took shots from bad spots on the floor. You know, we have to continue to pay the price to get to the spots in the, in the middle of the floor to be successful. So those would be some of the things that, you know, you look at the, the Colorado's offense are just absolutely outstanding. They're good on the right side. They're good on the left side. So we're just going to have to be systematically fundamentally sound and, and just, and just play our game and, and just trust our processes and, you know, and then just and then it just comes down as you know you got to try to will your team to win. And uh, last but not least, an opportunity to be at home for for Game Three. That's what you guys work for all season long. I imagine that's a big positive for your group to do it at the Rough House. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, anybody that knows, you know, I've been in Calgary for ten plus years now, and you know, as a player, it was I can you know I can attest to. You know, it's just not a coach standing up here and trying to wave the pom poms <laughs> and trying to rally the troops. I actually played it. I was in the, I was in the rough house for years, and I know what it's like. And and the post game parties, and you get to see the people that that come out and spend their hard earned dollars, and you know that they really care about you. And then and then uh, and then now you now you know how that feels, and then and you just can see it in our young guys how important that is. And you know I don't we I see it time and time again. We don't get the guys don't get paid millions and millions of dollars. They're just hard working blue collar guys for the most part, and 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 it's just. It matters. Like when a family comes out and spends that money and wants and wants to be there and wants to cheer you on, and you can look in the, the little kid's eyes and he's just in awe of the players on there. And then just our fans, how loud they are. They just they understand it. They have, they've been around long enough about around the game of the cross. And a lot of our fans are so knowledgeable in the fact that you know a little loose ball player, someone's you know soaking a shot, or or just 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 a hustle play off the faceoff. They understand that and they go crazy for it. And those are the little intangible things that we as coaches preach but our fans see that too and i just it can't help our guys to, to get motivated and it's loud in there and uh, you know the guys are excited we earned the right to have game three in our rink and uh, you know we're not going to disappoint our fans we're going to come out and give everything we absolutely got for 60 plus if we need it coach thanks so much for the time today really do appreciate it congratulations again uh, on the finalists for the coach of the year award is really well deserved uh, best of luck to your group on saturday and here's hoping we get to chat about uh, a potential final matchup for your group Thanks a lot. Keep selling the game, boys. The more we can get in there, the better. Absolutely. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Coach. Kurt Malowski, yeah. Coach of your Calgary Roughnecks, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. And, yes, get out to the Saddle Dome 
on Saturday night. 7.30 face-off, Game 3. These two teams absolutely down to the wire. It's been a one-goal game in both Games 1 and 2. Honestly, if I could tell anybody about a, an NLL game, your first-time experience going, it would have been Game 2 uh, on Saturday. It was physical. It was fast. It was entertaining. There was penalties. There was hitting. There was just about everything that you would want in an NLL game. And on top of it, the Roughnecks came out with a victory and are now heading to Game 3. Uh, these two teams know each other well. They hate each other. <laughs> They're really ready to go at it in Game 3. And you've got a week off in between. So you get a chance to uh, to get both teams rested and healthy, ready to go for what should be an awesome, awesome matchup. If you want tickets, head to CalgaryRoughnecks.com uh, for, and hit the Tickets tab. They've got all your details for uh, that game coming up on the 20th, 7.30. It's the playoff party for the Calgary Roughnecks. I believe they even have some uh, awesome deals going on as part of uh, May Long Weekend coming up. So a uh, chance for you to get out to the Rough House and support your Calgary Roughnecks for game number three. Uh, Cam, you got to get out there on Saturday, man. I'm looking to you to get out there specifically. Yeah, I'm eyeballing those tickets. The uh, Saddle Dome, we got to fill that thing up. It's going to be fun. I'm trying to look because I'm trying to do this quickly as I can. I should have this ready when I was uh, getting going today, but I did get uh, an email today about uh, ticket deals uh, for this one. Ooh. So you're definitely going to want to check it out. Okay, here we go. Uh, May Long Madness, 20% off both Roughnecks and Stampeders tickets offered for 36 hours only. So for 36 hours only, you can get 20% off both the Roughnecks playoff game on Saturday and the Stamps preseason game on Monday. So you can choose which game you want or make it a long weekend party and attend both. I would suggest going to both. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, you get 20% off an even better reason to go out. It honestly is such a fun time. This Roughnecks team is so good. They're so connected. It'd be so awesome to see them uh, meet up with Buffalo in the NLL final. Uh, so best of luck to them on Saturday. I think we'll try to get another guest from the Roughnecks on uh, sometime this week to uh, talk about the game and get you set for that one. But I uh, appreciate Laura Barker from the Calgary Roughnecks setting this up uh, to chat with the head coach, Kurt Miloski, this afternoon. Uh, he was just one of two guests we had on the program today. Uh, so big thank you to Kurt and thank you to Brian Ray from Bally Sports talking all things um, Dallas Stars, they're off to the Western Conference Final against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be Carolina and Florida in the Eastern Conference Final, so we know what matchups we'll be previewing throughout the week as we get set for those series to start. Uh, appreciate you listening, whether you're live or on the podcast. We'll be back on a Wednesday edition of the show. Uh, we've got our first round, or our third round predictions, I should say. Uh, in and ready to go. Those will be up soon on our social media pages at Sportsnet960. Uh, so you can mock us or agree with us. Try to keep up with Taylor, who uh, is just dominating the playoff predictions for uh, Sportsnet today uh, throughout the first two rounds of the playoffs. So this is Sportsnet today. You're on Sportsnet960, the fan.